Welcome to Our Faith in Writing. I'm Charlotte Donlin. As a writer and a spiritual director for writers, I believe writing and reading help us belong to ourselves, others, God, and the world. Our Faith in Writing explores the intersection of writing and faith through conversations about the writing process, the reading life, contemplative practices, and more. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear an episode from one of my old podcasts that explores themes connected to our faith in writing. You may hear the Lists of Nine podcast or the Art and Faith Unplugged podcast mentioned during this episode, and that's okay. You're still here with us at Our Faith in Writing. Thanks again for listening. My guest is Chandra White Cummings. Chandra, thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you, Charlotte. Um, I will share your bio, and then I want to say a little bit about how you and I connected last summer. Mm-hmm. Was that last summer? Wow. It okay. was. <laughs> okay, Chandra is a writer, editor, and founder of CWC Media Group and Transforming Justice, a learning cohort on issues of racial justice. She is a certified trauma healing group facilitator and trainer with the American Bible Society's Trauma Healing Institute and covers adult trauma healing, healing for caregivers, sexual assaults, sexual assault survivors, and generational trauma healing between Black and white America. She has two young adult sons and lives in Virginia. Um, Thanks again, Chandra. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Me as well. Um, So we connected on Twitter last summer um, following the publishing paid me hashtag that kind of blew up in the traditional publishing um, space. And um, I started tweeting about publishing in Christian, you know, Christian publishing and racism in Christian publishing and um, was getting zero traction on any of it. And then someone um, connected us and said, we should talk. And we have had several conversations over the past several months um, some about racism and Christian publishing, others just about our um, own writing lives and spiritual journeys. And um, it's been really cool to hear about your work and your writing. And I'm so glad to have you here today. So thanks again for being here. And um, I am looking forward to what unfolds as we talk. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Me too. I really am. Um, so I would love to hear. Um, oh, and also I need to remind listeners that this podcast is called Art and Faith Unplugged. Um, one of the reasons Unplugged is in there is because it's very bare bones. I don't have an editor or a producer or a way to, um, or I don't use my time and energy to cut and splice out (laughs) the ums or the mistakes or the papers you might hear rattling or the guy cutting the grass outside of my window right now (laughs) at my apartment complex. Um, I think he might actually be almost done. So maybe we'll, we'll be okay as far as that goes. Um, So if Chandra or I mess up, we will correct ourselves and keep going just like any other 
conversation. Um, mm-hmm. So, Chandra, I would love to hear. I mean, let's just jump in. Um, All right. Can you share your thoughts on Christian publishing as a black writer of faith? Yes, I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, my feelings and thoughts um, about Christian publishing right now and the state of Christian publishing um, is kind of operating on multi levels. I've got layers of thoughts and feelings about it. One layer is um, just being a little disheartened, um, feeling kind of like Christian publishing is not new. Black writers are not new. Um, why are we still even talking about these issues to the level that we are? You know, we know that as long as we're human and we're on this side of heaven, that we can expect to have issues, you know, various and sundry issues, right? Um, But there's a sense in which we look at each other, or I look at the folks and I look at the Christian publishing industry as a whole. And I think to myself, what, what is, what is the problem? Like, what is taking so long? What is the issue? What is happening? Um, I was on a, on a event last night that was held for um, facilitators of color of the trauma healing groups that you mentioned um, that Mm -hmm. I'm certified to lead. And one of the things that um, one of my co-facilitators spoke about and she was in tears. Um, so this is this is how deep this is deeply this is felt. Um, she said that when she looks in the faces of other white Christians, whether it's at church or you know at some event that she's at or whatever, she said now she can't help but look at them and feel this profound sense of disappointment. Like how can you be standing here talking to me, and you know we're laughing and joking or we're raising our hands together in worship, but yet. I find out or I know that you don't understand about racial justice um, or racial injustice, whichever way we want to put it. And I could really, really identify with that sentiment. At the same time, I was thinking to myself, well, on the other hand, you know, kind of what do we expect? Like we, I have come to understand that we don't understand one another, truly. At a fundamental relational level, we do not understand one another. Um, Black Christians do not understand how white Christians can hold certain beliefs and positions. And honestly, I think it's the same for white Christians. You know, a lot of times black Christians don't like to admit that or concede that because it's like, well, what is there for them not to understand? Like it's racism. It's wrong. You know, it's oppression. But at the same time, just as we are layered folks and we are complex individuals, they so is everybody else. And so um, part of what I feel is the same disheartened kind of feeling that my co-facilitator spoke about. I just wonder to myself, what's really going on? You know, like, mm-hmm. can we just have a conversation like what's really happening? So that's one level. Um, another level is, which is which is very related to that, is I feel puzzled. Um, and as the way I work and the way I think, when I feel puzzled about something, I start really like ruminating about it and I start making lists and I start really like digging into it. And I did the same thing with this. And so as I really um, 
considered my my puzzlement, if you will. I don't even know if that's a, a right word. But as I considered that aspect of how I feel about Christian publishing, I came up with some questions that I'm going to put out there because these are honest questions that I have mm-hmm. for people in the Christian publishing industry. The first one is, is there something about Christianity as it's experienced and expressed by white writers that is more to you. And when I say more, I fill in the blank. That is more appealing. That is more accurate. That is more acceptable to you. That's an honest question. None of these questions am I being facetious. I'm really asking these. Another question is, is there, and this is a corollary, is there something about Christianity as expressed and communicated by Black writers and communicators that is less to you, that's less appealing, that's less acceptable, that's less believable, um, that's less worthy. Also, what does it mean to you as someone in the Christian publishing industry to have power and influence in that industry? What does that mean to you? How do you see yourself in that dynamic and in that paradigm. Also, what would it take for you as a person in the Christian publishing industry to share and co-steward that power? What would that co-stewardship look like to you? Um, Is there anything about such a scenario that I just described where there's co-stewardship of power and influence? Is there anything about that scenario that concerns, frightens, or gives you pause? When you think about, and I can only express it as thinking about the future of that because I don't see it existing now, mm-hmm. but as publishers and editors and agents and you know senior writers and managing editors and all this, as they think about the possibility, or maybe even in some people's minds, the eventuality of more power sharing going on in that industry, is there something about that that concerns them? Is there something about it that frightens them? Is there something about that that gives them pause and makes them think, eh, I don't know about that. Um, also, what did your last effort to hire a Black or other or a person of color, like editor, manager, writer, what did that look like? What was the outcome of it? What did you walk away from it feeling? In your opinion, how should Black writers and other writers and creators of color, how should we handle the current status of Christian publishing industry? How do you think we should be responding? Should we be okay? Should we have a wait and see? Should we have a calm down and, you know, come to the table um, with respect, you know, mode? Should we just kind of keep plugging away like the worker bees that, you know, we are apparently seen to be? Should we just for say, okay, that's all right. It's all right. If, if Christian publishing stays white, black, you know, fill in the blank, whatever, and just move on and create our own um, publications, create our own avenues of expression and publishing. What, what do they really think we should be doing? Um, if they could say to us, this is what we'd like from you. And then lastly, how do you, how can and should 
Black writers and creatives and and other creatives of color, how should we pray for you? What is it that you feel you need from God to make this better? Um, I just, so that, that, that all of those questions kind of encapsulate why I'm puzzled because I really wonder what the answers to those questions could be. And that leads me to my last sort of thought, which is a lot of, um, not a lot, several um, arenas now that are, that are trying in some way to tackle this whole race entanglement are saying, Hey, you know what? We really can't do any of this authentically unless and until we have a truth reckoning, right? We've got to tell the truth about housing. We've got to tell the truth about education. We've got to tell the truth about criminal justice. We have to bring truth into this in order as our baseline and starting point, right? I think the same thing applies to the Christian publishing industry. We have to tell the truth about the state of it. How many, you know, um, black and other uh, of color editors and creators are out there because then we, all of us will be able to see in black and white, the hold that whites have on the Christian publishing industry, like in no uncertain terms. Um, We need to tell the truth about why it's not changing. We can't just let them produce things for us to make it better for us as they take their time to change the way things are. And what I mean by that is some, some publishers and, and, um, you know, Christian media professionals are producing things like um, events, webinars, podcasts, conversations, things of that nature that, in my estimation, are designed to hold us. Um, like, for example, let's do a series on this is my this this is a black writer, and they're going to tell us their personal journey to getting published. Okay. Um, I guess I could glean some stuff from that if they talk about hurdles and how they handled situations. But as Black creatives, we're really looking for more, like more robust interventions, more collaborative interventions, because otherwise, from our vantage point, what we're looking at is whites getting together to talk to other whites, because that's all there is, you know, at these levels about what they need to do in order to bring other people in. Well, that's kind of like asking a blind man, what do we, what, you know, what do I need to do to help you see? I mean, they they don't know because they can't see, (laughs) you know, it's um, it's just, I I don't, we just need a, a whole different way of approaching this. And I just have to say my honest belief is they can't do it by themselves. They can't just get in rooms by themselves and hash this out. Um, you you have to have others who can bring accountability, who can bring different vision, um, a different way of seeing things and thinking of things. Um, and so, when I thought about what what I wish they, I wish I could get somebody in a room, just me and them, and say, you know what help me understand. I'm going to ask you these questions and just tell me, tell me the truth. You know, what is, how would you feel if more African-Americans, more Asians, um, more native Americans and indigenous folks, how would you feel if they were your bosses 
and your your publishers and your um, stockholders. I mean, if it would make you nervous, tell me. If you would then right, feel right. displaced, tell me. Because otherwise, I we, we can't get anywhere, Charlotte. Does that make sense? It does. And I think all of your questions are wonderful questions to ask. And I would love for people to answer them. Um, I mean, I can guess what some of those answers are, but you're right. Like, we don't know what the power brokers are thinking. Um, I don't even know what other white writers are thinking because they won't talk about it. So my guess is I think a lot of them care, you know, especially the ones who talk about injustice in all sorts of other ways, you know, Mm -hmm. or who hold signs at Black Lives Matter protests or whatever, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and then put those photos on Instagram. Um, (laughs) Sorry, sorry, I have to get my dig in. Um, And then stay silent publicly on this issue. But then they tell me via message, like, I am addressing this with my publisher, or I am trying to think of ways to address this issue. And I'm, and it baffles me. I'm puzzled, honestly, because these are white writers in Christian publishing who speak out about all kinds of things publicly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you're scared of something, right? Are you scared of backlash from your readers? Are you scared of losing power, money, and influence? Are you scared someone's going to come take your next book deal? Or like, are are you afraid someone's going to find out how much you got for that last book deal? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, again, it's like me guessing because no one will talk about it. Um. And I was just disappointed that more white writers and Christian publishing aren't like speaking up and trying to hold people accountable somehow, some way, like what happened in general kind of, I don't even know what it's called, the general market um, Mm -hmm. publishing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I would love for you to be able to have a conversation with you know, publishers, editors at big publications, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all of it, and get some answers to your questions and then tell us what they say. Um. <laughs> and you know what else I think that would do, Charlotte, is I think it would compel them to take a serious look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to be corny about it, but honestly, the song that comes to my mind is man in the mirror. It's like, I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm to the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. You know what I mean? It's like, if no one asks directly, like not all of this sort of, I, I don't even, I don't have the word for the way we communicate with each other on these issues. There's a lot of euphemisms and sort of talking around things. Um, but I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, if we're if we're not willing to really just be conversation partners in this and really just be honest, because I would appreciate so much if if one of these editors just said, you know what, <laughs> um, honestly, I feel like there's only so much room, and I feel like you know if. Um, all of a sudden, you know, we're, we have all these other considerations. What's going to happen to me? 
like this is my livelihood. You know, what 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 am I going to get kind of squeezed out? Am I going to have to share, you know, my job or my responsibilities? What does that mean for the trajectory of my career? Um, you know, if publishers say, look, I, I'm just concerned because up to this point we haven't done this, and I don't know what our readers are gonna be like. I don't know if they'll, you know, read this stuff. I don't know if they'll buy these books. I don't know if they want to hear from Right, right. Because a lot of times what I'm hearing is, oh, this is um, we have to we have to bring in things that are going to resonate with our readers. And I'm thinking, all right, explain to me who you perceive your readers to be and what is it you think that they want from you? That's I would add that to my list. Tell me who you perceive your readers to be and what do you think they want from you? Because if you answer that question a certain way, that tells me that you don't think you have any black readers. Or it tells me that you think your white readers don't want to read black writers, right? Yes. And if you're only publishing books by black writers about the black experience, like, what is that saying too? Like, Black writers have way more to contribute to everything, you know, to literature, poetry, books about spiritual life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beyond what it's like to be a black writer or a black person in the world. Um, at which, right. I, I mean, I'm adding another thing in there to be mad about because also when publishers do an event or whatever, you know, to make it look like they are, and maybe they are sincerely trying to make some movement on this issue. Mm-hmm. It's always like, yeah, let's have people of color come in and talk about what it's like to be a person of color. And, you know, I'm mad at that. And I'm kind of doing that with you with this episode, but <laughs> it's something that we've been talking about. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I mean, I do have questions that I want to ask you that have nothing mm-hmm. to do with this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've tried so many times to maybe write an essay or article about this and that's right, and then move on from it, at least as far as you and I go. And we haven't been able to make that happen, but now we're here and we're making it mm-hmm. happen. And mm-hmm. I would love to have you come on another episode later and we don't even talk about this topic. Um, you have way more things Ooh. that you're an expert on. Um I mean, that are kind of relate, you know, trauma and healing and um, Mm -hmm. creative work in general, that this isn't something that this isn't the only thing we can talk about. Um, So anyway, as we talk about this, um, (laughs) 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 that's another question I have is, do you think black writers can't write about all these things that all the white writers are writing about? And if that's true, why? Like, do you realize that's a racist thought and a, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so, and maybe they don't, I mean, I don't know. Again, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm puzzled with you. Um, mm-hmm. We can guess. And I mean, I might be able to guess a little bit closer because I'm white, but I don't know. Um, the, but I think the, you deserve answers. I think a lot of people deserve answers to those questions. Yeah. And, you know, I think that we all, deserve the answers to those questions because my my firmly held belief is that we are all missing out. Yes. Because of this um dynamic. We're all missing out because we're not 
none of us are getting the benefit of what it could be if it were different. And the other, th- that's why, I, that's one of the reasons why I asked the question in the event or, or under a co stewarding of power scenario, what do you think that would look like? Because sometimes I think they have this vision of, you know, like black Panther, like, Black public, you know, Christian publishing is going to turn into Wakanda and we're all going to walk around doing the Black Panther salute, going Wakanda forever, you know, and uh, everybody is good. We're like, no, that's what you have now. So we're, I'm not looking for that just in reverse because I, mm-hmm. I don't think that would be right either. I'm talking about an actual reflection and representation because I believe the kingdom of God should be represented and reflected everywhere that Christians are. So what does that representation and reflection look like in the publishing industry? And I think I've just gone to another question, but I'll keep going if that's okay. Yes, you can keep going. Um, well, let me say something real quick. I, I sure. agree with you a hundred percent about um, this idea that if, you know, if we're all flourishing, we're all flourishing, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. if everyone is flourishing, everyone will flourish even more. And um I do think, I mean, I've noticed just with, you know, the one book I've written and other things I've published and for Christian publications, um, this scarcity mentality in general around Mm. Christian publishing, Mm. um, it kind of penetrates everything with Mm. writers, primarily with the writers I know. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're already starting from a position of people worried that they're not going to get theirs or they're not going to get enough or they're not going to get what they think they deserve. Mm. And I'm wondering how that kind of plays into all of it too. And who is perpetrating that um, sense of scarcity? Like, is it accidental or is this happening for a reason? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, I personally, am going to try to move on from Christian publishing and like, just, you know, try to move away from it. I'll still write about faith in different ways, but for a more general audience, have you thought about just shaking the dust off your feet and moving on? Well, you know, honestly, um, and I'm actually, I'm glad you asked me that question. Honestly, my whole approach to writing from the beginning has been my, my true goal. My true heart is to reach broad audience because I have lived a long time in sort of the Christian neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. Where everybody's Christian, we're all saved and happy and going to heaven. And that's what we do. We spend our time edifying and uplifting each other, which that is definitely biblical. And there is definitely a place for that. However, what we have come become accustomed to calling the Great Commission is not about us doing that. It is about us being equipped to do that, you know, which is what the word says we have local churches for and things like that, you know, ministries and stuff. And we, and we, I think we do a much better job of that than we used to, but the great commission is not about us in the Christian neighborhood. It's about us in the ugly outside neighborhood or the pretty outside neighborhood, but the point being outside, Mm -hmm. right? We're supposed to be going out. And so I've always wanted to be out because what I want to what I want to do is let people get a look at what does it look and sound like when someone who is coming from a Christ orientation 
or a Christian orientation, what does it sound to look like when they talk about economics or when they talk about criminal justice or the law or when they talk about music and entertainment? And then, oh, do they talk about music? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I just think that, you know, God has designed it that way for a reason. We're supposed to be out there mixing it up, you know, and that's why I admire um, her first name is escaping me, but Brunick, she writes for the, uh, I think her name is Elizabeth Brunick. She writes for the New York times. I love that. Um, I love that. Um, Pulliam, Sarah, Sarah Pulliam is writing for WAPO, you know, and, oh God, I can't even believe that I have bylines in Washington post. I'm like, how did this even happen? <laughs> did I, yeah. is this really me? So that was so exciting to me though. And I wasn't even writing. See, that's the thing. I'm not even looking to necessarily write about Christian things all the time. I have not written about anything Christian in the general pubs that I've been published in because of what I just said. I want them to see what does it sound like? What does it look like? What do we hear different from her as an African-American Christian woman who's talking about parenting and who's talking about the fact that, uh, hello, white parents, can we get you to talk about race in your families? Um, But I also talked about education, you know, that, that has always been my heart. Now, by the same token, my work, the way I see my work in the Christian publishing industry is more of a um, discipleship type of thing as opposed to an evangelistic type of thing Um, at, you know, when I'm dealing with the outside folks. So for CT, you know, if I write an essay review about a book written by another Christian about motherhood, I'm going to talk about the fact that black motherhood in Christianity is almost invisible. Mm. And evangelical Christianity is almost invisible. And I've done that. Um, You know, now I'm about to, I think I'm going to get this pitch accepted about caregiving because we need to bring our, bring our Christian selves into this talk about caregiving, you know? So that, that's really what I've been trying to do all along. My next target is New York times. Um, and I've done like the op-ed right to change the world, um, thing, which was really being like being dumped and set down in the middle of no Christians, right? It's not a slam on them. It's just, it's not a Christian group, you know, they're there to be journalists and, you know, get stuff out, but they do a fantastic job of teaching you how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about thought leadership and who's considered experts, who are allowed to be experts. All of these things matter. And they're not exclusively Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so is your passion about the Christian publishing industry more? Well, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to, you know, create a question with an answer in it. Why are you passionate about Christian publishing if most of what you write and most of what you prefer to write isn't necessarily Christian or for Christian publications or Christian audiences? Um, a couple things. One is because of the word primarily. So it's not like I don't want to or don't get published in any of the Christian, well, let's be honest, there's like two or three, right? right. (laughs) Um, right? Okay. So we're talking, you know, (laughs) and um, a a big market here, but um, so that's the first thing. It's not that I don't want to at all, but it's primarily, right? The second thing is because I think that it's an area where discipleship, some pretty robust discipleship is, is needed. 
And that is also like a calling of mine. I have a prophetic type of edge to what I write. Um, even when I write for gin pubs, I still have that sort of edgy feel to it. And in Christian <laughs> pubs, I all, almost always get, you know, there's a lot of editing that out or smoothing that down. Um, which I don't like, but depending on what's going on, um, you know, I, I have to deal with it in different ways, but I keep at it because we need voices of challenge right now. This is not the time for us to just gather to ourselves. These, um, as the Bible says, these voices who will speak smooth words to us. We're past that. We need a little sandpaper. We need some iron sharpening iron even in this creative side of things, um, maybe especially in the creative side of things, because this is where people's hearts are more engaged, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And we need it. We need it really badly. Things have just gone on in the way that they are for too long. And every time there's an iteration, you know, you sit back and you think, all right, this is going to be it. This next iteration is going to be it. We're going to be in there and we're not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're not. (laughs) Right. So whatever people have been hoping for with regard to what's going to change it, like that's not working because there hasn't been much change. I mean, I think there's been a teeny tiny bit of change here and there, someone hired here and there. Um, But yeah, so like if, if that's not working, what will work? And, and I think you're right. Like there's going to have to be conversations first and people asking questions like the ones you posed and people answering them. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, I, so this is what I want to (laughs) do. I want to finish this conversation and then stop the recording and let this be part one of my conversation with you about, um, racism and Christian publishing. And then I want to start another, um, episode, which will be part two, where we just talk about your creative work and the work you do, um, and see where that goes. How about that? Does that sound okay? Oh, that's awesome. Okay, good. That way I'll also have an episode of you not talking about (laughs) being a black writer and black publishing. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but you were going to address the other question about what it could look like. Um, Yes. Yes. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Okay. I was starting to talk about representation and reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, some people talk about it, windows and mirrors, all of that different imagery. It all means the same thing. Um, you know, honestly, this is, this sounds like a kind of like, it's like, Oh, is that, is that it? Is, is that all you're looking for? But what I'm looking for is the normalization of the presence of perspectives that are non-white. Yes. As an African-American woman, of course, I want to see some African-American voices, um, representation and reflection, but I also want to read uh, Native and Indigenous writers. I want to read Asian writers. I want to read Latina um, and Latinx writers. I want to read the full representation of the kingdom of God because we're all in the kingdom of God. And I want to read white writers too. Nobody, that's, I wish I could just help people understand that. Nobody is talking about just pushing all the white writers out. No, that wouldn't be what I'm looking for. Let me speak for myself. That wouldn't, that's not what I'm after, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. that's not the representation of God either. 
But certainly what we have right now is not a good representation. And that's the other thing that it means to me is because it is a witness that is unfaithful. Because every every little sphere of life has a, a witness assignment. So Christian lawyers, you've got the legal field, right? As a Christian lawyer, you know, we're out there and you go out there and it's like, oh Lord, the Christian lawyers are just as acrimonious and aggressive and, you know, whatever, <laughs> and ruthless as, you know, these unsaved lawyers or, you know, in entertainment or, or writing, whatever. So in the publishing sphere, Christianity Today, Charisma, Faithfully Magazine, all of these pubs, right? Um, the online pubs, um, Fathom, all of these things, they are providing, whether they realize it, understand it, or want to acknowledge it or not, a witness to the to their counterparts that are not Christian-based. And they notice and look at how we conduct things. Is it any different? Um, does Christianity Today provide any more of an accurate and faithful representation than any of the other publications out there? Uh, I would say no right now, a little bit, but not not enough. Um, And that's what it's about to me. What Mm -hmm. is our witness to other people? What are we saying God is like to them? When they look at us and they say, ooh, God must be like partial, biased, um, only is concerned about certain segments, um, values power over all else. These are the messages I think we send. And those are not faithful. That's not how God is or who God is. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes makes sense. And I wish I had more hope. (laughs) Oh, that was going to be my third thing. I have it right in the corner. It's like in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Answer the question one. So my first level is disheartened. My second level is puzzled. Like, what the heck? But my third level is hope. But it's mainly because Jesus lives. That's really why I can put the little, even though it's a small writing of hope in there in the corner. In the uh, tiny corner in tiny handwriting. Like in tiny handwriting shoved in the corner. Yeah. The only reason I can even put it there is because I I believe that God cares about these issues and that um, you know, as in lots of other things, he's looking for and waiting for people with the courage to step in, to step into it and hash it out um and let him do some work. Mm-hmm. So because, you know, there's people like you, well, not people like, but because there's you and um, other people like you because there's me and other people like me, I think there's hope that some things could be done. And you know what? This is this is the other th- reason I have hope. And this is not a threat, please. People that are in these powers, it's not a threat. It's just a fact. I see in the word that God says that power belongs to him. And that he has a way of dismantling things that refuse to honor that and that refuse to reflect his power in a faithful way. So it might be that some things have to change in a, in a kind of fundamental way. Maybe some things have to get shaken up for us to be willing to come together and say, I'm not happy about this. And they're like, well, I'm not happy either. And just talk it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I think that's a good place to wrap up this part of my conversation with you of ending on a bit of a hopeful note and um, expressing desire for what a next step could be um, with regard to hashing it out and maybe moving forward for change that would benefit everyone, all of us. Like what are we missing out on with all of these voices being silenced and marginalized? Like everyone's missing out. Um, Well, thank you. I will wrap up this episode and then we'll start another one. Um, If people only listen to this one, I'd love for you to go on and tell people where to find you online. Um, I will definitely put links to some of your work and to social media um, accounts and that kind of thing in the show notes for this episode. But um, where can people find you? Um, The best place really is to go to my portfolio, um, which they can find at cwcmediagroup.com. I've got, you know, written stuff, but I also have um, videos and, you know, if I've been a guest on other podcasts, things of that nature. Great, great. And I will include that um, website in the show notes um, for this episode also. And if you listen to this episode, please join us for the next episode (laughs) where Chandra and I will talk more about her creative life and how that affects her faith and her views on art and how art changes us and changes the world. All right. That's all for this episode of Our Faith in Writing. Thanks so much for listening and giving your attention to the ways writing and reading help us belong to ourselves, others, God, and the world. I'd love for you to visit us online at ourfaithinwriting.com, where you can find more information about my spiritual direction for writers and other contemplative offerings, read essays and articles by writers who care about faith, and learn more about our partners and sponsors. I'd also love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Charlotte Donlin. Subscribe to Our Faith in Writing wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review the show, letting us know how these conversations help you feel less alone in your writing life and your reading life.